listen to Spurs Cast, episode 510. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the Spurs Cast. Joining me for this episode is Project Spurs' founder, Michael DeLeon. Mike, how you doing, man? Just right now, this in the off season with basically no basketball, but a lot of football happening and baseball and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know basketball's been dead, but luckily there's football, and and I've been uh, I actually got into fantasy football this year, so that's kind of killing the, the I guess the boredom with the NBA doldrums right now. I guess. Yeah, see, I, I've been spending. I, you and I were talking about this. I kind of just playing video games to kind of keep me entertained until until basketball actually starts. So, so there's different ways, um, you know, of, of of taking up this time. And obviously, there hasn't been any like really NBA news or Spurs news really. Um, so, but but what, there is some minor news out there. So we're going to go ahead and get into to three main topics today. But unfortunately, Mike, we do have to start this episode off on a somber note. Um, uh, earlier this week on Tuesday, September 11th, uh, it was announced that, that former Spurs assistant uh, coach Don Newman passed away at the age of 60 uh, due, to, due to a battle with cancer. Um, you know, it, for Spurs fans that have been following the team for a number of years, if you remember back from the 2004 to 2012 season, Coach Newman was, was with the Spurs organization as an assistant coach uh, during that, that time frame. And he was actually part of the 2005 NBA championship when they beat the Detroit Pistons and then the 2007 championship when they beat the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, you know, he's been show. If you, if you go back, like for me, the, the memories I have of him is going back and watching those those two championship DVDs. And you see, you know, him him on the sideline there with Pop, with all the players, with Timmy, with Tony, with Manu. Uh, he began his NBA career in 1999 with the Milwaukee Bucks and it ended uh, with the Wizards from 2012 to 2016. So for me, in, in, in person, I haven't actually, I never actually got to interact with him because my first season covering the team, going to the games and stuff, uh, it was, I think it was a 2012 season, so it was right on that first year, and he just left uh, Washington. So I never actually got to, got to talk to him face to face and things like that. Um, but just, just Mike, over the years, what did you think of Coach Newman? Yeah, I mean, you can tell that obviously, and, and you can see that kind of by the stuff that uh, we've read today, just on social media stuff that. He was definitely well liked, and uh, I mean, I always remember him as a guy that would restrain Pop, and uh, I mean, obviously they had to have a pretty close relationship for, uh, you know, for him to, to be able to do that. But yeah, I mean, everyone has said nothing but good things about him, and uh, I was I was kind of surprised to see him leave. But yeah, it's definitely sad that that uh, I guess anytime anyone in the Kenspers family, when that happens, it's just uh, sad to see. But uh, I didn't really have any interaction myself but uh, heard nothing but good things from him yeah that that's actually the, one of the images that comes to mind what you just said right there which is when when pop would get technicals you would see coach newman newman there um holding it back you know especially with pop you know really angry during those moments um let's go ahead and get into, into the show though mike uh let's go ahead and we're gonna go through some three main topics here uh on the agenda the first one we're going to discuss the spurs signing second round pick chemezi metu to a full guaranteed contract uh, then about one of the camp invites that, that they might invite to camp, uh, Josh Hustis and some potential invites as well. And then lastly, a, a basketball scheme type of question about the Spurs um, offense this season. So let's go to begin with uh, Chemezi Metu. He was signed last week uh, reportedly for a three-year deal. Uh, he's a he's a six six eleven power forward slash center, uh, 49th pick in the second round. He played in five summer league games with the Spurs this past summer, so you got to watch him in Utah and Vegas. Uh, he scored 11.4 points per game, 7.6 rebounds, and, and collected 1.4 assists in 21 minutes. He did get hurt during that time frame. And something of note uh, regarding his signing is he's the first second-round pick since Dewan Blair that 
where he's the type of player where he just got drafted and the Spurs actually signed him that summer. I know Nando DiColo was a, was also a second-round pick who got signed, but DiColo had been drafted his draft rights a few years before that. Um, so what do you, what did you think about the Spurs giving Chemezi Metu a um, full guaranteed roster spot this coming season? It, it's kind of mixed because, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of his game from what I saw in Summer League, and, and I was kind of like a... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it was one of the guys I thought should make you know, the cap and hopefully make it to a two-way. But that, that's where I thought it would go. I thought he'd, he'd uh, earn like or tr- maybe try to earn a two-way contract. But they almost see something like like in him because uh, for them to sign him outright like that after summer league. I mean, Gary Neal is probably the last person I remember them doing that with. Uh, maybe I'm not sure. Maybe Forbes, but um, so that that surprised me a little bit. But I mean, he did show in that little amount of time. I mean, he didn't play a whole ton of minutes, and he was able to put up those kind of numbers in Summer League. And they need some help up front. They need somebody that's a little more athletic and, uh, I guess, a little more nimble because Powell's not that type of guy. They need somebody to maybe balance that off a little bit more. So I liked it. I just, like I said, it, it just kind of surprised me right away when I, when I saw that they actually, you know, offered him a, a contract before camping even started. Yeah, for, for me... You know, from what I saw in summer league, for me, I have this weird like these two these two terms come to mind when I think of uh, Matu from his game that I saw in summer league. I see one part raw, but then another part pretty polished. Like he kind of knew what he was doing out there. Uh, he had good form on his outside jumper. You could tell he has athleticism. But then, of course, he's still raw because he's a young you know he's a young player. He's only a rookie uh, getting his first NBA experience. So. I kind of feel like the route he's going to go down this coming season is probably um, spending a lot, a lot of time in the, in the G League and with the Austin Spurs. But you know, if somebody gets hurt or if so, there's a trade that happens or something like that in the front court, then I could definitely see him getting some some minutes immediately and, and then Pop kind of using him off the bench. So uh, you can tell that they really have an investment in him. You know, he's a young player, has a lot of athleticism um, and you know a lot of potential going forward. So the Spurs definitely um, saw that and they gave him a guaranteed contract, and it's reportedly up to three years. So now with the with the Metu on board, the Spurs do have 14 guaranteed contracts. Um, you know, after Mono Ginobili retired, and uh, that 15th spot right now is partially guaranteed over to Quincy Pondexter, who John John Diaz and I had discussed two weeks ago on the last Spurs cast. Um, let's go ahead and move into our next topic, Mike, and that's uh, that's another that's now the training camp invites. Uh, the first player who's reportedly going to get invited is a uh, Josh Eustis. He was uh, drafted back in 2014, um, late first round draft pick. Uh, he's been in OKC with the Thunder his whole his whole career, um, early career. He's six seven, a wing player. Um, you know, last year his his numbers he played sixty seven games with the Thunder. He scored two point three points, um, two point three rebounds, and in fourteen point two minutes. Um, so just some of his kind of profile on him. Uh, he's a low usage player, means he doesn't need the ball that much. Uh, he's not a very efficient shooter. He only made thirty percent of his threes last year. Um, he re- he relies on others to to create his shots for him. Um, he he was in the 62nd percentile of scoring on his own, which means he can kind of make his own shot. Um, 60% of his shots were from three last year and 33% were at the rim. So he's basically like a three and D player, but just not an efficient shooter from three, but he does take threes. So he only shot 30% from the corners and uh, 30% above the break. Uh, he doesn't draw any sh- kind of shooting fouls. Um, he, he had a pretty good block percentage on defense. Um, low doesn't create turnovers on the other team in terms of steals. Uh, he does tend to foul a lot and he's a solid rebounder. Um, and then he mainly played the three in OKC. So, so reportedly, Mike, um, Houston is getting a training camp invite. And in that, there's this clause called the Exhibit 10 clause. 
And what that means is that if he is waived during training camp or the preseason, uh, the Spurs can actually make him a, uh, a two-way player, convert that contract into that. And that's interesting because they have both two-way spots open right now. Do you think that's the most likely route that's going to happen with him here in a few weeks uh, that he's going to get, that he might get waived eventually and then uh, possibly just get one of those two-way spots? Yeah, I think so. And, and I'm sure he probably doesn't like it just because I think he thought that maybe once it, the, the Thunder... It didn't pick up his option. He might get some interest um, in free agency. But because he was such a, a low-usage player <clears throat> in Oklahoma City, he didn't really have much of a chance to uh, put anything or, you know, show anything to anyone. And he played behind guys like, uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony and Paul George. And so what I did see from him was that, you know, when he actually did get some consistent minutes and played in more games, his numbers dipped a little bit because before that, he had only played like five games, I think, in his rookie year. And then two games before that where he actually looked pretty good in the limited amount of time he got. Uh, but last year, I mean, his numbers dropped quite a bit and his shooting was, was uh, pretty low. So I, I can't, I don't see him, you know, obviously there's, he'd have to take a spot from Pondexter at this point. So I think that two-way, where he's at in his career, I think that's probably the best bet because he still needs some time and him getting some actual minutes in the G League, I think would be beneficial for him just because he's, he hasn't. I don't think he's benefited much. While, while he's in practice, he's been able to go up against guys like like Melo and, and George, but he's not actually playing much. So that might be good for him to be in Austin and spend some time there. And if they need him, if they need you know a three or four type player, then they can bring him up for a game here or there. I agree with you right there about um, kind of that's kind of where the battle's at in terms of that 15th spot. It's kind of him and, and Pondexter. And right now, I think that Pondexter just has the edge just in terms of if you look at the, the contract situation. They only gave uh, Houston an invite, whereas Pondexter, they gave him some partially guaranteed money. It means they, ha- they, they think that he might actually make this roster uh, for that 15th spot. So I think that's that's the battle you got to watch here um, in training camp as it starts uh, in 10 days when this show it, it comes out. It starts uh, September 24th, this training camp for the Spurs. So um, that's kind of the battle we're going to watch here in training camp. Is, is Pondexter versus Houston? You know who, who ends up? You know, I guess impressing on the on the team more, impressing Coach Pop, and, and you know Houston does have a, have a better um, have a good. He has a, a good defensive background, should I say? And that's something that Pop always wants to see as you play defense on the floor, and he'll give you some minutes. So um, that'll be something to watch in the preseason and training camp. Is that battle there between Houston and Pondexter for spot fifteen? Um, let if if um, Houston does join the, the training camp roster. And also um, Drew Eubanks, who was reportedly going to get that get a training camp invite as well, uh, that would actually give the Spurs seventeen players on contract. Meaning, I mean, for training camp, meaning that they can add three more players for camp. Um, two players, Mike, I want to discuss real quick are um, uh, two unrestricted free agents, Josh McRoberts and Gerald Henderson. Uh, both players, along with Houston, were in a few photos about two weeks ago where um, there, there was this photographer who was taking pictures inside the Spurs on practice facility, um, and, and, and they, they put them on, um, on Instagram. And uh, in those pictures, there's current Spurs like DeMar DeRozan, DeJounte Murray, uh, Bryn Forbes, and then there's some past Spurs like Tim Duncan and Monte Ginobili. But also there's Josh McRoberts, Gerald Henderson, and uh, Josh Eustace. So there's been no actual word if McRoberts and, and Henderson are going to get an invite to camp. We don't know if they were just there working out or if they might actually be getting an invite. Maybe they're getting ready to, to try to compete for a roster spot with the Spurs. Um, just some quick background. 
on them. McRoberts, he's 31 years old. Uh, he only played in two games with the Mavs last year. Then he was um, he was waived. He's basically been been injured for like the last four or five years. Have, have really hampered his career. Uh, Gerald Henderson, he's six five, shooting guard, um, 30 years old. He didn't play in the last in, in the NBA last season because he wanted to, to he wanted to have hip surgery or, or, or he had a hip injury that was bothering him. So he kind of took time away from basketball to get that injury healed. And now he says that he's ready to play. He's healthy, one hundred percent. When he did last play back in, with Philly in 2016-17, um, he scored nine point two points and was a pretty good three point shooter, thirty five point three thirty five point three percent from three. Um, so so what do you think about those two guys? Do you think that those pictures might show that they might they might get invites, or do you think they were just there like working out? trying to get back in shape kind of thing it's kind of hard to tell because sometimes you've seen in the past where like certain players have had uh other NBA players come over but there seemed like it was mostly Spurs players and then you know uh some of the guys that mentioned it uh boy ended up getting training camp invites so I think we could end up seeing them in training camp just because I mean I really I mean Henderson there's been a ton of interest in him same thing with Mick Roberts, and I feel like it's going to be one of those like kicking the tires things on both of those guys to see what they've got left. Because, I mean, Mick Roberts seemed at one point like, you know, he had some potential there. I think LA and maybe in Charlotte were his best years, and, um, you know, since then he hasn't done a lot. Henderson's actually had a, a pretty uh, nice career for himself, and so I think they want to see after, uh, you know, having his surgery or whatever, and, you know, how has that affected him. And, would he be worth uh, maybe giving a spot? Um, I mean, that the only thing about that is, once again, it would have to be uh, he'd have to basically still Quincy Pondexter's role because I I can't see Joe Tennyson. Uh, I don't even think he could get like a two way at this point uh, of as many years as he, as he has. I think he's what got like eight uh, years. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you can only have a more. You can't have more than three years in the league, and both of those players definitely have. Uh, more than three so yeah you're right that, that he can't even compete for two I think that I agree with you where again he'd be falling in line there with trying to compete with um with Pondexter for that 15th spot um and if they were to add both players to the training camp roster then that would that would put the roster at 19 uh, uh you know if that was the case which means they would have one more player to add to the roster uh before a training camp starts uh, which is on, again on September 24th Okay, Mike, our, our last topic, uh, let's, let's go ahead and discuss some, kind of like a basketball strategy scheme type of question, basically. Um, ben Falk from cleaningtheglass.com wrote a, wrote, a, wrote a pretty good article a few weeks ago and back on August 23rd. It was called 2017-18 Answers Evolution of the Big Man. And so basically what this article was about was that last season, before the season began, Ben had, um, you know, he, he thought that the Spurs would take way more threes their big men, Pau Gasol specifically, and LaMarcus Aldridge compared to the year before. Well, that didn't end up happening because, again, uh, you know, we all thought that that would happen, but it was because, you know, he, what he cites is that mainly without Kawhi Leonard, a guy who can kind of create his own shot, draw double teams on the, from the perimeter, uh, Gasol and Aldridge kind of had to have the ball in their hands more, and they couldn't, you know, uh, stretch out the, the offense that much more and, and take those threes. So, like, the numbers show this as well. Um, in the year that Kawhi was healthy, 16-17, Aldridge took 5% of his shots for threes. Only last year, he only took 6%, so he just made a 1% increase. Gasol... In 1617, uh, 15% of his shots were threes and only 17% last season. So, so we didn't quite see that dramatic increase in three point attempts from those two players. Um, and the Spurs as a whole, as a team, their, their frequency was really bad last year from three and also their accuracy. Um, but here's my question to you, Mike is 
now that they have DeMar DeRozan, a guy who can score on his own, he, you know, 32% of his shots were um, only assisted on, which makes him, which puts him in the 96th percentile, according to cleaningglass.com, which, which means basically he's an elite player at getting, creating for, for himself and, and getting to uh, scoring on his own. And also DeRozan, um, you know, draws a lot of fouls on his own sh- shooting fouls. 14.9% of his shots were shooting foul attempts. Uh, so that's in the 94th percentile. Do you think that having DeRozan, a guy who can create on his own, can draw some double teams, uh, is going to is going to allow Gasol or, or and Aldridge to kind of stretch out a little bit more this coming season, or do you think we're going to kind of see some of the them mainly taking mid range jumpers like the last few years? I definitely think we'll see more. I think especially from Aldridge because Aldridge has to be kind of that guy that uh, last year that you know just uh, had the ball quite a bit in his hands and he couldn't be one that was moving around a lot because when they had uh, Kawhi. I mean, obviously that takes some of the attention away, and that can, you know, Kawhi, if, if you can uh, get going inside, and that gives uh, Aldridge space to to move out to the perimeter. The other thing about the whole DeRozan thing is, one of the good things about him is that he's able to create on his own, but he also doesn't force a lot, and and he's a pretty good passer. I mean, his, his numbers are uh, pretty good. Uh, I think Nathan, uh, one of our new writers, looked at that recently, and because of that, I have a feeling that we'll see, especially Aldridge shooting a lot more threes, and he'll have the opportunity to do that more. It's going to be a lot less pressure, I think, on him than it was last year. But I mean, the whole three-point thing. I mean, I think that having not having Kawhi changed a lot. I mean, it's, including the um, the amount of threes they made. I mean, we saw that in the playoffs. They didn't have that player that took you know that focus away and gave a lot of those guys open shots, and so. So I'm not sure because last year I noticed that it didn't seem like he shot uh, nearly as much as he had the year before. But you know maybe with somebody like that in there, I mean he'll he'll feel comfortable enough to do that again. Yeah, that that actually that reminded me of what what I saw too. The data didn't support what my eyes saw last year. I, for some reason, I kind of felt that Powell took less threes than the year before. With Kawhi there, and and that wasn't what the data said. It says that he took seventeen percent of three of his shots from threes last year, and the year before that only fifteen percent. Um, so yeah, that kind of threw me off a little bit. But anyway, uh, I, I agree with you. I think that we're going to see one of those that that like that Gasol from the year before, where he took way more threes that year that Kawhi was healthy. Because I think that again, DeRozan's a guy who can kind of create his own, on his own. Um, you know, you, you mentioned he's a really good passer as well. For Aldridge, the thing I'm interested to see is on that uh, something that that Ben Falk noted in that piece was that. When Aldridge would set his, his pick-and-pop jumper up top, he would kind of just float out to that 20-feet range where it is his mid-range jumper. And he would only go up, um, roll on to, up into the three-point area when it was like 10 seconds of the shot clock left. So basically, if he knew that the, that the shot clock was dying down, that's, that was basically the last, the last attempt he would, he would look, think about in terms of taking three. So I wonder if he's going to be more um, proactive in terms of you know, setting that, that pick-and-pop and then immediately you know, popping out to the three-point line rather than his comfortable 20-foot range now that if DeRozan's the guy who's a pick-and-roll ball handler. Um, so that'll be kind of something to watch is the uh, Spurs' three-point shooting. Uh, you know, again, they were not very good last year, uh, 26th in, in frequency, and then uh, accuracy 26th. The year before that, they were first in accuracy. So um, that's something to watch, especially with the, with the player, um, you know, makeup that, they made, that, they've, that they've added, like, a, like a Marco Bellinelli. They still have Bryn Forbes. They got Davis Bertans back. But then also they added a guy who's not a three-point shooter like DeRozan. And then, like, you know, you still have DeJounte Murray out there and some other players. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, thanks again, Mike, for joining me for the Spurs cast, uh, episode 510. Uh, Spurs cast listeners, 
If you're on if you're on Twitter, please follow us at Project Spurs at AT League underscore NBA at the Spurs Cast and at Project Spurs Network. Visit us on ProjectSpurs.com, analyzingtheleague.com, and ProjectSpurs.net. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. Thank you. Have a great day.